Max Gorlin, Melbourne Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cotchin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Penderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell from the Hawthorne Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey, friends, it is MJ from the Coaches Panel. What a crazy couple of days. I feel like you could say that almost every single day over the past three months. But there has been a heap that has developed over these past few days for fantasy footy coaches. It is great to be chatting with you as we head into the next round of fantasy footy. There is a ton of stuff we want to get to. Uh, but great to have back on the podcast. It's been a while since we've done a midweek and trade strategy podcast. But you've heard him a lot over the past couple of months as we've done our keeper episodes. It's Kane. Hello, mate. Hello, MJ. Good to have me back on the podcast with some fresh mail. I like the new information we dropped in the middle of the day. It's good. Yeah, well, we're going to get that from you very, very soon. And it's the year of the comebacks. We've seen some really big names return to the fantasy footy relevancy scene. Harley Bennell is one of those names. The other, he hasn't been on a pod pretty much since the preseason, but he's back. Betty Gogos. Hello, mate. Hey, mate. Good to be back. The, the calf's a little bit sore, but I'm going to try and get through it, okay? Don't you dare jinx it, mate. I'm trading him in this week. Don't you <laughs> dare. I'm coming straight after you. Uh, l- let's go right at the top. I want to talk about some brand new DPPs that have dropped for Ultimate Footy soon. I want to talk about Lockie Neal. Josh Dunkley owners have a big trade dilemma, as do those that are not sure what to do with Lockie Whitfield. We'll get to that, plus all of our Patreons questions. Thank you, Patreons, for your support uh, during the 2020 fantasy footy season. But, Kane, you mentioned it right at the very, very top of the episode. Just as we were about to hit record on this episode, some brand new news has happened for Supercar coach that has some potential implications of some strategies we might look not just for this week but over the next couple of weeks yeah well it's obviously last week was super challenging for everyone involved playing operating the game I'm sure it was super hard and obviously the whole AFL community were just trying to get a handle on information and we've we've known in the past couple days that what we thought might have been true on Saturday has been thrown into disarray. So I have enormous respect for those guys that had to operate the game and make really hard decisions. And it's come out today that the Essendon Melbourne players won't be getting a double game. They'll be getting the highest two scores of the round that the two games take place. Obviously, the hard thing is, MJ, we don't know if that's going to be round 10 or round 16, 17. And when it takes place has a huge impact because we know, especially for the cash cows, we've already seen the likes of Trent Rivers, Harley Bennell not get a price rise last week. You know, they chose to just give him that no score. We know it went to the best 18. As a result, the price is unchanged. If we're only taking one of their two best scores when they play twice in a round, mm. now that's another opportunity where they've lost another way to you know, generate cash. So for my, I hope for the game's sake that this double game takes place later in the year when we're not as concerned about cash cows. Because if it happens in the next month or so, again, the owners with those players have lost another chance to generate cash in a season where cash is super important. Yeah, look, it's a really difficult year to, to navigate our way through. Everybody's making it up as best as they can. And while some people have been really disappointed by some decisions that have been made over the past couple of weeks, I understand that. But ultimately, every decision has been made with the intent of trying to do the best they can with the information they have so that this really challenging year can go ahead. We've all got so much craziness going on in our own lives in general. So fantasy footy becomes that nice 
outlet for some chaos that might be going on in your world. So understand if you've been a little bit frustrated or disappointed by whether it was best 18 or free trades or double game weeks, understand and hear that. But ultimately knowing that every single person that is making decisions across all, all formats of the game um, are, are trying to do the best they can for us. And whether you agree or disagree with the decision, kind of is largely irrelevant. Um, it's the decision that's going to happen. I suppose, Ben, um, you know, Kane's brought up that interesting point. If you don't own, though, a Benalora Rivers and you were kind of looking seven days ago going, oh, I want to get Rivers, but I've got to make this trade priority, this trade priority. I suppose the silver lining for you could be they haven't had their price increase. So it means you've got that extra game opportunity to look at a Trent Rivers or that extra week opportunity to go and grab him over maybe potentially a, a Hamill um, that made a debut for the Crows last week. So if you're a non-owner of these cash cows or even a Christian Petrarca and couldn't squeeze him in, I suppose that's the benefit for non-owners this week as well. That's right, MJ. I mean, at the end of the day in fantasy, I think we harp on it every year, but luck plays such a huge role and, and this season is is extremely relevant um, from that aspect. So, yeah, I think I think owners right now, if you haven't brought in a, a Rivers, a Benel, like you said, a Petrarca, then time, time to do it, I think. Uh, the other aspect is that um, obviously, you know, we did harp on about the decision that's been made, but I, I just want to sort of bring a different aspect to it. Um, I kind of think that they have missed the mark a little bit here. So yeah. I think what they could have done um, is actually run a double game week, which yep. is something that's that occurs fairly frequently in fantasy Premier League. Yep. Um, so that is that is thing where, they, you know, there'll be two teams, um, one's played in an FA Cup. So then they'll play two games in the one week and everyone loads into these players. So you suddenly have um, extreme structures built around potentially the Melbourne and Essendon players. Yeah. Suddenly guys that might've been borderline keepers, maybe they're going to average, you know, a 75 or an 80 and he's not really an upgrade target. Suddenly he becomes really exciting. It increases the pool of talent that we would have been looking at towards the end of the year as well, depending on when this occurs, of course, yeah. um, would have added a lot of dimensions with the captaincy as well. So Look, I'm, I'm a frustrated. I, I completely understand where they're coming from. Um, yeah. It's been an extremely difficult year, but I'm super frustrated because I was really looking forward to um, having, honestly, a great discussion with you yeah. two about uh, how we could have gone about facilitating that double game week. But, yeah, of course, for anyone who, who got lucky enough to not trade in a Melbourne or an Essendon player, they're going to bring them in this week and it works out very nicely for you. Yeah, if you were struggling to get Petrarca into your side last week and were thinking, ah... I guess I'm just going to miss him at this cheaper price. Hey, luck's kind of falling your way. Agree. I would have loved to have seen the games um, if Dream Team and Supercoach, as our time of recording, Dream Team haven't made an announcement about what they're going to do. But for the sake of presumption, I think they'll probably follow suit with Supercoach, um, given the behind-the-scenes component are very much facilitated by the same programming uh, people behind the scenes. But, yeah, I would have loved to have seen them do that double game week, seeing how people would have made way to get Petrarca, Devin Smith, McGrath, Merritt, Oliver, even some of the defensive candidates that might not normally have been options in our backline. All of a sudden, a Michael Hurley could have been incredibly relevant in Supercoach for us. So, yep, a little bit disappointing but um, and frustrating for the owners that have those players. Uh, a little bit of a new strategy to kind of navigate our way through. But hopefully, um, we still manage to make our way through 2020 and have no other little hiccups along the way. So, fingers crossed that we're able to get through the next couple of rounds um, of the year.
Um, if you haven't gone to coachespanel.tv this week, encourage you to check that out. Just uh, late on Wednesday evening, uh, we revealed uh, the brand new ultimate footy dual position players for us. Um, we're form uh, fans of all formats of fantasy footy, but definitely believe that the best um, and most customization tool available if you want to do a draft league is uh, based on ultimate footy. They revealed eight new players that have picked up a, a dual position and probably came the most beneficial that has come there across all formats, no matter what customization you put in through your scoring. The addition of Gold Coast Jack Bowes to picking up back status, probably of all the eight players, he's the one that's really going to be of great benefit to coaches through there. Oh, absolutely, MJ. You've got a guy now that clearly moves into the top, easily the top 20 defenders. And if you looked at how Gold Coast has played since we had the massive break between round one and two, Again, he's going over 80 points in the current format, which we know is around the 100 mark. And the thing that would really hurt a lot of Keeper League coaches is that he started the season with that mid-status. So when you were doing your delistings in the last year, he was probably a guy that in a few leagues was thrown back into the pool. And when you get a guy that is playing as well as he does and then picks up a status yeah. and moves into the elite of his line, coaches that nabbed him will be so stoked. Yeah, I think so too. Look, Reese Conkers picked up back status as well. Look, had a poor first week. A 68 and a 62 in the past fortnight. Normally, you're not thinking, Ben, that a 68 and a 62. Uh, are you like, I'm, I'm excited that this is a good defensive score eligible. But in this really awkward year, if you can get a 60-plus score from a defensive eligible or a back eligible player, look, you might not have it on field, but it's probably worth the waiver wire pickup, isn't it? Yeah, yep. Those are the two the two ones, Bose and Conquer of relevance. Um, yep. Also worth noting that uh, any player who hasn't yet played three games was ineligible for a, um, an alteration. So I know a few people were a little bit disappointed, I think, about Harms not receiving back yep. status. Um, that's the reason why that's occurred. So, yeah, it's, um, it's a little bit of relevance. Obviously, you're absolutely stoked right now if you're a Bose owner. That's a mm. fantastic selection. But I think in three weeks' times when we're going to get some really exciting players coming onto the fold here. Yeah, look, and Oscar Allen should pick up Ruck status. He's only played the two games. Dane Zorko spent a lot of time forward. Um, him missing uh, as a late out last weekend probably was the reason he wasn't eligible to do there. And, and historically, too, Ultimate Footy, a little more on the conservative side on that first week of uh, positional allocations at round three. But at the round uh, coming and the next additional rounds, which is round six and nine, um, they're a little bit more opening up the gates of opportunities to make sure there's data because... Yeah, if you get someone like a, a Harms or a Zorko, um, you know, getting these new positions, all of a sudden you're getting a potential um, top 10 in your line um, in terms of average for the rest of the year. So that's there. Ben McAvoy picking up back status probably really only has value if you're in a category league or also potentially if um, Segler goes down injured. Um, Cox is, is similar. Brennan Cox, not Dean Cox. Um, sorry, we haven't got him picking up back status. Ben Long, the same. Not hugely relevant. A couple of centre additions with Bewley and Weller. And then forward status picking up is a Sean Burgoyne. Again, it just adds some versatility and some flexibility to your side. Not a whole heap of relevance uh, for you across through there. Um, and that's what's happening with the DPP changes for Ultimate Footy. Let's talk about probably one of the biggest decisions, though, that coaches are having to make this week. And that is the decision of whether or not they can afford to go and get or go without 
Lockie Neal. He is absolutely dominating the fantasy footy landscape so far this year. Um, the highest scoring player, the highest averaging player across all formats, and and honestly by a, by a significant way too, like ten to fifteen points per game on average, ahead of just about any other player. Um, nearing a really difficult price point and has a really great matchup this week too against an Adelaide Crow side that is really struggling in the contested ball component of the game. Okay, let's be fair. They're struggling in every part of the game. But but the dilemma, I suppose, boys, and, and maybe Ben will throw it out to you first, is what should coaches be doing around Lockie Neal? Do they have to go aggressively crazy out of the way to go and get him this week? Is, is the, the boat already sailed? Or is he the must-have premium that we have to get? Yeah, so my uh, traditional answer on a topic like this is you don't want to be chasing points. Um, so my numbers right now would suggest in a regular season, uh, looking near average is more like around the 140 mark in Dream Team. It's ever mm. um, gone 140 across the whole season. Uh, you know, I think the best we sort of would be hoping for is 130. I don't think Lockie has that type of uh, game to to produce those results. Obviously, he's um he's shown that he can get a little bit more on the outside, but we've already seen in in round one against the Hawks, he had no marks in that game. That's that's certainly a, a statistic you need to have um, very high if you're going to average these types of numbers. So what I would suggest is that yeah, so we are we looking at a player in Lockie Neal who is going to be a um, a top eight midfielder across the formats. My my gut would suggest that we are. Um, are we looking at a must-have player? And I use that term uh, very loosely because I, I kind of think that there is no such thing as a must-have, but will he be 10 points better than the, the next best midfielder from this point forward? No, I don't think so. And for, for that reason, I think that you have to search for value and I uh, look to, to owners that currently, you know, that have started with Lockie Neal. It's, it's been an exceptional ride so far. But, um, you know, we're only three weeks into a season. There's still 14 weeks to go. And I'm sure that someone else is going to have a 140-esque run um, mm. or 114 run if we're looking at today's numbers um, across a number of different other players. Obviously, Supercoach, it's been absolutely absurd. He's averaging 165 in that format. Um, again, Supercoach is, is a weird, um, you know, it's a weird scoring format this year. So, look, I think you're going to find many guys that go on runs of this magnitude. And I would be, I would caution people to not um, try and chase the points. And, and that is that temptation for us too, isn't it? As we see this guy who's just dominating the games, we know he can go on absolute tears of these runs. He's done it historically over time too. So it's not like we're, we're just seeing this guy that out of nowhere has done these 140 scores um, and 160 average in Supercoach or 115 sort of average in, in DT and AF. You're right, he's doing it. But there is that pull, isn't there? Even for the most experienced coach, isn't there, Ben? They see these scores. They see the matchup of who he's got this week against Adelaide. And even though there's that nagging thought in the back of the head of, I'm probably chasing points, I'm probably paying, in some regards, a little bit of overs for him potentially, I don't want to miss the guy that's come out of the gate. And that's the dilemma that coaches, even the most experienced coaches, have to overcome. Yep, absolutely. And look, I I would caution that um, you aren't going to win 
uh, any of these formats paying top dollar for these players. Yeah. Um, I think that's a, that's a really, and that applies across every single thing. If you want to invest in, don't, don't buy when the market's high. Yeah. You want to look at um, trading in players in it for an AFL club. You don't want to pay top dollar for them. You want to, you want to find the, uh, um, you want to find the, the bargain buyers like a Dan Butler sort of proved to be so far. Yeah. Um, and it's the exact same thing. So, you know, maybe if you're thinking, hey, Brisbane has this super desirable matchup against the Crows, maybe maybe you're looking for someone that's um, a little bit more, like a little bit uh, cheaper, maybe a human plugage sort of um, mm. comes available. Maybe a Dan Zorko is more available. Um, the other thing to, to recognise is that because we don't have these um, because no clubs playing each other twice this season, that that really changes that, um, you know, the way that we have to view the game. And so whilst, you know, chasing for a one week is always an exciting proposition, um, I would caution people that, okay, they do play Adelaide this week, but they don't play Adelaide every week. Um, and they really yes. have to build that into their, their decision-making. The other, the other thing with Brisbane in particular is that, um, you know, they've been playing all their games at home. When they, yeah, when they sort of venture away, it's going to be a little bit harder for them. So you've got to factor all of these elements into, into your decision-making. No, that, that's good. And, and Kane, when we talk about Lockie Neal, we alluded to it just moments ago with, with Ben. He started last year on fire too, didn't he? Um, across all formats and everyone jumped on him and was excited. Oh, he's going 130s, 140s, he's a beast. But the way he started the year and then the way he kind of went for the back end of the year, the two didn't quite marry up the whole time, did it? No, and MJ, it got me thinking because every year this happens. After three rounds, there's a player that's had a blistering start. So I went back last year for Dream Team and I looked at the 10 guys that started the season the best. There's only three of them that in the remaining 19 games stayed in the top 10. Wow. They were Lockie Whitfield. He started the season with a 134. And his run home, he went at 108. He was the 10th best from that point on. We know, obviously, what Lockie dealt with with injuries. Adam Trelaw started the season first three, 125. Remainder, 112. And the other one was Jack McRae. Started the season at 121, 115 for the remainder on. Let's look at some other guys that at this point last year would be having the same discussion. Yeah. Travis Boak started the season 133. Remaining 18 games he played, 96. Sloan, 124, 96. Mm. O'Meara, 120, 96. Hmm. Lockie Neal, 124, 102. On the flip side, if you brought these guys in at this point last year for the remainder of the year, they came home the best. Yeah. Josh Dunkley started at 77. Last 19 was 116. We know he didn't even get his midfield moved to around seven. Yeah, wow. Brody Grundy, 106 first three, 125 for the rest of the season. It happens every year. There's players. Zach Merritt's another one, MJ, that at this point last year, after he got that DeBoer tag round one, mm. 81 through the first three weeks. On the run home, he was the seventh best player in the league going at 113. Hmm. So if you picked up a Zach Merritt at that point, when everyone else was going a Lockie Neal or a Rory Sloan when they'd had a 125 start, yeah, we're talking you're anywhere between... If we go on the lower end, you know, Lockie Neal started solid into the season. You've gained 10 points a week for 19 weeks if you went Merritt over Neal at that same point last year. If you went Merritt over Sloan or an O'Meara, mm. we're talking over nearly 450 points, MJ. Wow. 
And that's the thing. I think Lockie Neal, for me, if you're in the top few, you've got a decision to make. Do you yep. want to be defensive and neutralize Lockie Neal? Yeah. I think especially in Supercoach, it's really important because if you look at what Lockie Neal's doing, he's missed three center bounces <laughs> for the whole year. Yeah. Like when he goes off the ground, he might go off for a little while, but it happens to be at points in the game where Brisbane usually possess the ball. And in terms of missing ball winning opportunities, he's not missing any. He's no. really, he's, he's missed three center bounces across three games. Hmm. Like that is just ridiculous. So in terms of, you know, time on ground where he's just hunting ball and Brisbane are hunting ball. If you watch, he'll play 98% in the first half when the game's close. Yeah. If Brisbane get away, he goes off. So I, there's not much scope in terms of getting more minutes. The fact is, though, he's so clean with the ball and he's so, he gets so much contested ball and clearances. Mm. And because he scores well at the start of the game, that's usually when the most super coach points are available. Anyone who's noticed... Brody Grundy on the weekend, when Collingwood set the game up in the first quarter, yeah. he had a quiet first quarter, and he could only manage 100 to go with his 100 dream team in Supercoach. You've yeah. really got to be scoring early. And if you look at the points, no surprise that Lockie Neal's the number one first quarter scorer yeah. in the competition. So if you're in the top thing in Supercoach, I feel like it is fair to neutralize a guy like Lockie Neal. Because yeah. I genuinely do believe he's priced at 140. In this climate we're living in, this year in Supercoach, I genuinely could see him going 140. The way the scoring is clearly tailored, we've seen what the Rucks are doing yeah. playing what I would call just average games. <laughs> the, the thing is, like Lockie Neal, he can, he can score, I think, at that rate for the whole year. Yeah. The point remains, though, like you said, you've got one good matchup this week, clearly. The next two are Port and Collingwood. It's we tough. know what Matt DeBoer did to him later in the year. That game hasn't arrived yet. Yeah. And then you've got the factor that they've had the advantage of having the teams come to them True. in the Queensland hub. So if I'm out of that, you know, top thousand or so, I really can't be going Lockie Neal. I've got to find another avenue to get myself back into the ranks and hope and hope that I can just, you don't have to really match him per se. It's more the dollar value that you're dealing with. And I've seen a lot of other people wrestle with is two mid-price sort of players who might be pushing premium in mm. their lines. Again, the obvious ones this week seem to be Bailey Smith with Dunkley out, Jai Simpkin, Christian Petrarca. Am I better off having two of them? Yeah. Or am I better off going all out with Neil and still having that rookie on the field? Mm. Depending on the week, the answer could change. Because we know if Lockie Neal keeps up this pace, you only need a 50 from a rookie and then all of a sudden, Jai Simpkin and Petrarca need 110 each. But if you're in those top ranks, I think you have two options to either neutralize yeah. or to let him go. I think if you're outside of that, you just have to let him go and you have to spend your cash elsewhere. Well, you, you want to think of some guys that could call, score. You talk about that comparable scoring or get you within that ecosystem of it. You look across all the formats. A player like a Patrick Dangerfield is around about 110k cheaper in Dream Team. Around about 150 in AFL Fantasy. I think it's up to about 170,000 in Supercoach. Um, are they going to score like for like side by side across the rest of the year? Possibly. But it's not the point. It's the 
What does he score? And then what do you do with that additional cash? Uh, we talk about a, a Jai Skimpkin or a Bailey Smith with, with Dunkley now out of the side. You would presume, and that's always a dangerous thing as fantasy coaches for us to do, but you'd presume that he might be able to maintain that role. Could you throw that money on a failed mid-pricer like an Andrew Brayshaw and all of a sudden you're able to roll through a Bailey Smith, a Dangerfield, as opposed to that scoring combination? That's how coaches need to look at it, Kate. Yeah, I think with Dangerfield in particular, MJ, if you look from 20, 2011 to 2019, his disposal efficiency is between 62% and 67%. And we know he pretty much, he's played at least 20 games in all of those seasons. Mm. In this small three-round three sample size, he's going at less than 56%. Hmm. <laughs> I've got to think that that will start to balance back out. And as I said, in this current format, you cannot use the ball poorly. And the thing with disposal efficiency as well, mm. you've got to dive deeper into, is we know in Supercoach, there's an ineffective disposal, which yep. is just zero points. The problem with Dangerfield, if you've watched him play, is he's kicking it to the opposition. He's getting clangers. Yeah. So within that 56%, it's not just costing him nothing. It's actually hurting him the other way. So yeah. not only if he can tidy that up, but even just reduce the amount of turnovers, like... He's going at five a game at the moment, MJ. Five yeah. turnovers a game. Like, that will balance back out. You've copped DeBoer. You've, they had a poor week against Carlton. the Blues, who were sensational. And then he wasn't the man when they beat the Hawks. Yep. But I've got to think, if I've got a guy that is, you know, usually a 10 to 15 point better off in the Supercoach format yep. than Dream Team, there's going to be a week where that disposal efficiency is 80%. He kicks three goals. Like, you've just got to think in the long run, he's not going to have a season where he averages 56% disposal efficiency with all of those clangers. It yeah. will balance back out. And I think he is the type of candidate that can tear the roof off the joint. You look at the guys now, it's Fife and Neil. Yeah. Both hugely impactful. Yeah. And I see no reason why Dangerfield, you know, he's just had a rough patch. There will be patches like Benny said earlier in the year where people will have hot streaks yep. and there'll be great players that have quiet streaks. Unfortunately for Paddy Dangerfield owners, it's been to start the season, but mm. I, I couldn't jump off now. No. Um, because Benny, the reason we're talking about Lockie Neal as a candidate is for around about 10% of coaches across the formats, you know, give or take um, in a variety through there. Josh Dunkley, who many were hoping to be that 115, 120 guy across the year or, or a, at a comparable level in a compromised quarters through there, now have to trade him out with him missing the next potentially four, six, maybe longer sort of weeks. If, if Neal's not the guy, who are some players through that midfield you know, format depending on the different players and strategies. Ben, are there any players for you, you're going, these would be the type of players I'd be encouraging Dunkley owners to target? Uh, yeah, question without notice, MJ. Yeah. But um, what what I would just say on on sort of gen, like generally chatting is, yep. if you've got a guy who exactly, Kane's point before was absolutely fantastic and it, it should be reiterated, um, if you've had a slow start uh, and for whatever reason there, the suggestion is that that slow start will not continue. Mm. then those are the players to necessarily, the, those are the players to be looking at. So, I mean, Dangerfield's are the perfect example now from, from 2012 to 2019 across eight seasons, he's only dropped below 112 in Supercoach once. 
um, he's averaging 86 right now. So you can say with that, that those types of numbers, he's probably going to go about 125 from here on in. So I, I can't give you a specific name because I haven't really looked into it. I was, I was very fortunate to not have Dunkley. But um, what I would say is look for those guys that maybe are going under a little bit. They're going under the, the public eye. They maybe haven't had the best start, but you think that they're going, you, you don't see much reason as to why they would drop off. Um, it's different, of course, between formats. Um, yeah. And again, uh, the other aspect is, you know, where a lot of players are playing different game time at the moment. Coaches have looked at this hugely different. You know, we're seeing Nathan Fife basically play full matches. We're seeing Lockie Neal do the same. Others are, are sort of playing more like the 80% type style. So um, sourcing out a few of these, uh, you know, robust statistics might actually get you ahead of the game. So, um, yeah, that, that would be sort of my general answer without giving no, you an answer. No, no, that's, I think that's the exact sort of answer you're looking for because um, what coaches should be doing at this point in time in a year, again, we've only seen 20 odd games of football across the year is coaches now that we've got understand shortened quarters, we understand the impact it's having, what players are doing, what coaches strategies are evolving and looking to coaches should now be able to go, okay, who do I genuinely think from here on in? is going to be in the top six to 10 performing players in that round in, you know, for the rest of the year, what's that forecast looking like? And then while also doing that, look at who are the value options, like you've both said that have started slowly or have started with that low ownership that I could get, whether it be that danger field or that bottom belly. A Mitch Duncan, for example, is almost, I think he's like 150 K cheaper in super coach. Um, and flying at a 120 average, which we would normally be clamoring all over to get a midfielder with a 120 average. Maybe that's the kind of play that can get you there. I think that's the key. It's never this one specific play where you must have him. Um, I don't think there's any one player this year that has proven to be a must have. Everyone might've been entering into 2020 going, well, if you don't have Grundy and Gorn in your ruck, you're stuffed. But Goldstein and O'Brien um, are proving more than reasonable candidates to get you within the same ballpark of what they're sort of doing. Outside of Sam Doherty and Jake Lloyd, there's no defenders that's really standing up and stamping themselves saying, you must have me if you're going to see success. Petrarca and Walters are probably the closest in our forward lines to saying, you, if you don't have me, you're going to be in a world of hurt. Um, and so this is the year more than ever before um, where you look for that creative solution, where you look to find that unique point of difference and you find those ways to build in and to develop your sides um, to be able to get you through there. And that's just some of my think thinking kind of through there. Yeah, MJ, just, just on that point, mate, you bring up Walters and Petrarca as possibly being the, the two forwards. I think yeah. now with that Dunkley injury, um, I think Bailey Smith is well and truly in that group. Um, yeah. I'm... I'm seeing him as as being someone that uh, still presents value uh, because we're only three rounds into the season. We've only had two price changes. Price changes haven't been as um, drastic as they have been in previous seasons. Yeah. Um, so I I think there's a lot of reason now to um, actually go out and maybe even grab a Bailey Smith because 
I, I see him comfortably in that top three, and I, I would not be surprised at all if he is number one come the end of the season. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. We're talking about Josh Dunkley owners. Um, we wrote an article at coachespanel.tv this week about some potential candidates to look for. Um, it was caveated around the thought we might get a double game week, and so maybe some Essendon uh, or some Melbourne players might not be as much um, a, a desirable target. But you mentioned someone like a Bailey Smith. That question about his role was kind of niggling there for coaches because we've seen Beveridge uh, even this year move some guys around hashtag McCrack was captain two weeks ago um, owners would kind of acknowledge that but what Bailey Smith is doing is two things I, I think Ben is he's offering value for, for Dunkley owners to give you that additional cash to be able to go and fix up maybe it's a Dan Houston who's been if you have him in a draft league, it's okay because, you know, you contrast what he's doing as a defender. It's okay. But for salary cap owners, he's not delivered quite where we'd hoped given we've got cash cows getting within similar range of him. Like Brander outscored him in Dream Team, I think it was last week. Um, so it does give you that extra cash to go, okay, I'll go Dunkley down to a Bailey Smith. I'll get a likely top six forward and I could turn a Dan Houston and maybe get Jake Lloyd as a vice-captaincy option this week. Um, maybe go and get yourself um, a, a bottomed-out defender that you're really confident in. So there's one benefit. And then two, I think, Ben, is Smith adds something defensively to that Bulldogs midfield group that Bontempelli and McRae can do, but they're not being asked to do that. He just adds incredible defensive pressure, Bailey Smith. Yep, absolutely, mate. I, I think uh, obviously the injury, the injury to Dunkley really cements his spot. But I, I tend to think it was already cemented. Um, yes. Yeah, he was he was playing phenomenal football over the the first three rounds of the AFL season. He's been the Bulldogs' best player by an absolute country mile. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think I think sort of the sky's the limit for his um for his career from a football perspective, definitely from a fantasy perspective, and. You know, we talk, we've been talking about value for a long portion of this podcast and he's the guy that, that you attain it through. Yeah. Um, someone who hasn't hit the peak, hasn't hit the price that they're actually delivering at. And you know, the, the clouds have sort of parted in a, in a way with this injury. And um, hmm. yeah, he's, he's one that you definitely have to, you have to be really deeply considering. Yeah, no, it's true. Came for people that do own Josh Dunkley this week. Bailey Smith, we're talking talking about, you know, offers value. If you've missed Christian Petrarca in all formats, his price didn't change. So again, it's a different format um, for us, you know, in terms of position um, to be able to go. You're moving from what you thought would be a, a top eight midfielder to being who you believe is going to be a top tier forward. Um, but who are some other guys, if you are a Dunkley owner, who are some of those players we should be considering to look to move him towards? Because it needs to be done Thursday night. Because uh, otherwise, he's going to be locked out with Thursday night game being the Swans and also the Bulldogs. Yeah, in terms of confidence in a line, I feel most confident in the forward line. Like, I feel really confident with that group of Smith, Petrarca, Simpkin. We already know the established guys like a Dusty a Whitfield, a Walters, yeah. but even a Johnny Segler, especially in the Supercoach format yeah. the last few weeks, he's really, he's always going to benefit when you bring a guy like Jager Amir back into the team. Yeah. It's another absolute bull in there. But I feel confident in that line, especially for the value. When I look at the midfield, and I've got a 75 in Dangerfield's average, so I know that in a few weeks, he's going to come down. We know that Bont's had a really tough patch, even though he's handled it pretty well from a scoring yeah. point of view from what it could have been. But there's a few guys that I would rather just just let the midfield see what happens, see where the dust settles. 
Mm. So I'm more inclined to try to restructure. There's so many good dual position rookies this year. To have the ability to swing in, you know, a Connor Buderick into your midfield to replace Dunkley and then bring in a Petrarca who's only Ford eligible or to bring a Brander, I think you can really take the opportunity. Like you said, MJ, we've got Stasevic, Brander, Rivers, all scoring really well. And a lot mm. of teams are only fielding one of those players at this stage. So mm. it might be an opportunity in your team. We know that Sam Sturt's out for a long time. There's a lot of talk that, you know, Dusty Cameron will be out of the Pies side. Yeah. It might be the opportunity to restructure your team and get in a Brander and a Rivers onto the field. And I think getting in a line like a Simpkin, a Bailey Smith or Petrarca can really just settle your team, get that better rookie score. I'm confident that they'll be around the mark at the very least of a top six forward. Yeah. And just let those midfield premiums, as I said, clearly Neil and Fife in Supercoach have had an absolute red hot start. Yeah. In AFL fantasy dream team, it's Neil and Gaff. And yeah. Gaff is, is appealing to me because I know that in the next couple of weeks, he's, he's going to be living at Optus. Yeah. And he, and he has an absolute field that there. Obviously, the difficult part is the spend is comparable to Neil. Yeah. The only advantage is the uniqueness. It's true. Um, but again, it's not going to be super unique when everyone starts catching on. They're going back to Optus in the near yeah. future. And um, yeah, I'd be more inclined to just say, let's just lock away guys that are great value right now. Yeah. Going to be top of their line. And to be honest, they're playing as pure midfielders, pretty much all of those three. You know, yeah. Petrarca still has a nice split. But in terms of center bounces, you know, he's in there a lot. And that is one thing I do want to bring up because I know that center bounces have been, you know, brought to light a lot more with the accessibility of stats. Mm. But you still have to use your eyes. For instance, Collingwood loves starting to go in the center bounce. But once that center bounce plays on, he goes to the forward. Straight line. forward. He's yeah. actually not playing midfielder. as a midfielder. So yeah. I just caution people to not just assume that because they get center bounce attendances, they are midfielders. Drake, yeah. Jake Stringer is another one for Essendon. If you look at the CBA numbers, he's right up the top mm. because they want him exploding out of the midfield and pumping the ball forward. Yeah. Once play starts taking place, though, he's straight out of the center bounce attendances and yeah. into the forward line. Yeah. And then, then Zach Merritt rolls into the midfield. So you've just got to be careful and not just getting sucked into CBAs purely. Mm. Still watch the game and see what happens when the ball actually goes out of the center bounce and who is playing as a midfielder because Stringer, despite the high center bounces, is not a midfielder. Same as Degoe. Again, yeah. if you're in a keeper league and you're worried that Degoe is going to be a pure mid because he's in the top few pies for CBAs, yeah, don't panic. that's not his role. Again, the great thing is Bailey Smith and Simpkin, they are playing as midfielders. Yes. They are playing as pure midfielders with the forward status. So I think those guys at the moment, MJ, for me, they're the super safe ones. If you want to get more on the front foot, we mentioned Dangerfield. Yeah. That all those statistics just have to start leveling out. And you've yeah. got Melbourne, who's not really rolling with a designated tagger at the moment. No. And then he's got Gold Coast. Yeah. One of them's at the G, one of them's at GMHBA. Like you've copped De Boer. I think he's the type of guy that we know when he fires, Jesus he can enough. really fire in a big way. Um, Jack McRae's probably another one, MJ. Again, yeah. with Dunkley being out. And you've just got to back him that he just scores, that guy. Like, he just scores really no matter what. It's true. I think outside of that, you just would want to wait and see. Like, the Giants, I still am not super confident. And I don't even think they're confident in, in what's the mix. <laughs> what are the roles that everyone's playing? The guy we haven't even mentioned, MJ, yet, which I think 
is shaping a lot of other trades is Lockie Whitfield. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people, especially in Supercoach, we've had we've been given some extra trades and I've seen mm. a lot of people and it's a super popular trade is is Whitfield down to a Petrarca or a Simpkin or a Bailey Smith. And I would just really caution that. Yeah. And in in the sense that I know Whitfield will go down in value, but you've already copped a bad score. Do you really want to use a trade to a Simpkin when from here on they could easily score the same? And if I was a betting man, I would bet that Whitfield would score more. So then people are going to spend another trade on another player to bring Whitfield back in. Again, if you want a Simpkin, I would just say try to find another way. Yeah. You know, I'd I'd feel much more confident if they moved to Houston on. Yes. I don't have confidence in Houston being top of his line. I just have to caution people when you're trading a player that still to my eyes is elite in his line. Mm. I know you're getting some short-term cash and you've got options where to go. Yeah. But I just think in the long run, you're going to burn two trades, one getting him out. Yeah. One getting him back in. Yeah. Like you've really got to nail that pick and you're also banking that he'll, you know, not score well in the future. Again, if he's named to play like he has been this week and that takes place on Friday yeah. night, Again, I want Whitfield in my team still. Yeah, I think if you look at what you want your side to look like at the end, you absolutely want Whitfield. And I suppose, Ben, when we're talking about the price a player costs, um, if you're a aspiring Lockie Whitfield owner, th- this is looking awesome for you um, because you didn't cop the score on field last week. You've got that cash decrease continuing on for a couple more weeks because his, his price didn't change. Um, it is um, drastically just yet. It's still another week or two before he's really going to bottom out for us. So non-owners, the price matters. But Ben, if you're an existing owner, his price only really matters if you're going to trade him out. Yeah, mate, absolutely. Um, I think Kane, Kane hit on a few really interesting points that I'll get to, but um, it's a pretty simple conversation for me with Whitfield. Um, yep. If you own him, don't get rid of him. Yep. Um, you bought him for a reason. You know that uh, we live in a world that is completely and utterly random <laughs> and sometimes injuries occur to, to um, establish stars early in the game and, and that's what can happen to him. Yeah. And fortunately for owners, it did. It's going to be an absolute bargain pick up in a couple of weeks for anyone who didn't start, start with him, but that's the way the game goes. And, yeah. you know, you might get some luck um, on, the, on another uh, different move. But... A um, couple of things I just want to talk on. Uh, Supercoach, the most notable aspect of that has been that Ruckman, um, left, right and centre have been scoring through the roof. Yep. Um, how do we take advantage of that? Well, we look to attain as many Ruckman as humanly possible. Absolutely. One way of doing that is is looking at a guy like John Segler. Yep. Um, any of these, these Ruck forward eligible players, we need to be deeply... Uh, uh, observing them and trying to obtain them. I think right now Stegler represents a lot of value. Huge. Um, yeah, if the, the scoring, as long as, you know, there's no alterations to the, the scoring in season, um, Stegler is going to continue to produce fantastic results for that, I'm certain. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting, I think, like this is a fascinating week, obviously, with with the Dunkley injury going um, and occurring in a lot of teams, the restructuring of teams, I think, is going to be heavily apparent. And yep. yeah, one of the guys that if I didn't currently own, um, Segler would be a guy that I'd be looking into. The Another two names I wanted to bring up who represent value now, and there is a, there's a 
good chunk of reasoning as to why they will produce better in the future are mm. Tim Kelly and Elliot Yo. Yeah, good. Um, these two names have started their Supercoach season quite poorly. Elliot, uh, Tim Kelly's going at an, uh, a rate of 84 per game. Elliot Yo's going at 79. Elliot Yo, the previous three seasons, has gone well above 100. Uh, Tim Kelly, obviously, we all know what he did last year. Hmm. And he's obviously gaining as a, as a footballer each and every week. So um, those guys are obviously had a, had a really difficult um, start to the season there. I, I think living in, in a hub for that long a period of time probably is a little bit unnatural. Definitely goes against what, uh, what they're used to doing week in, week out. I think that the shackles are going to be released um, come round seven against, against those. Uh, I th- I'm pretty sure they're playing the, the Dockers. It might be yeah, round seven. But yeah, um, yeah it's, it's going to be a really good time when they, when they leave the hub and they, they enter the, the Perth region to go and hunt as many of these West Coast players, as many of the relevant Fremantle players. And you're licking your lips if they started the season slowly. Yeah, it's true. I think that's that's one of the themes of the episode for you to pick out of this one. It's look at, don't just chase and hunt what has been. Look to what is coming in the future. And that's going to help your ultimate rebounding from a poor start or the advancement of a continually strong year. Yeah, I think Tim Kelly is, a, is an absolute pearl from Benny there. I guess yeah. we talk about Dangerfield with disposal. This guy's usually one of the classiest players in the league. His disposal efficiency is down 15%. And his turnovers have gone from five to seven. And it's in a shortened game. Yeah. And we know it's just absolutely killing you. You actually look at him. He's getting his hands on the ball. He's yeah. going at 100 in the old for DT. Hmm. But just an 84. Like, he's got a five-point differential. Lockie Neal's rolling with a 50-point differential. So, as Benny said, when they're going back home after round five... Um, I just think that's an, that's an absolute pearler. And again, super unique. And you're taking advantage of a known quantity. They've, they've had the hub. It's in the past. Those, that 84 average in Supercoach, you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, you're, not, right. you're not concerned with what they haven't done. And no. Speaking of Ruckman, I think the other one, MJ, that I have seen going around, and I think it's, it's fascinating. It has a lot of merit, albeit risk at the same time, is, is guys like a Brody Grundy. Yeah. I feel silly saying this. A Brody Grundy down to a Sam Naismith Ooh. or Mark Pittenett in Supercoach. Wow. And you can't call it a cash grab because you're not actually generating cash. You're just restructuring your team. And I've seen people, if I did Brody Grundy to Pittenett, I could do, you know, a Sam Sturt to a Jai Simpkin. And, on, and on paper, off the that, ground. Yeah. Get that, yeah, get a rookie off the ground. Again, my first caution is you've spent two trades with absolutely <laughs> no guarantee. Brody Grundy individually yeah. could outscore Jai Simpkin <laughs> and Mark Pittnett on it's any true. given week. Like that is not out of the question. But you have to look at it when you see a guy like Mark Pittnett, who I think has played two solid games. I think yeah. he's been very he's good. He's been fine, yeah. But on average, he's going at, you know... In the mid one thirties, MJ in, in Supercoach, Super yeah. like those are those are elite scores. So that right. you have to respect that clearly something in the for, in the formula of scoring. Again, Oscar McInerney is going at one ten in the last two weeks. Oh my god! He's gone to one thirty and an eighty, and that eighty game, he only got the sole ruck in the second half when Steph Martin was down. So you've got to think: Do I need to 
and it's not so much a slight on Brody Grundy, albeit no, people no. believe he might be nursing a sore knee. And he scored, you know, like two low hundreds compared to Pitnet's 130s. Do you think there is merit, MJ, in a move <sighs> like that? A restructure where, again, I know people didn't have a lot of trades, but you're spending two trades. You bring it, you're taking out Grundy, you're putting on Pitnet, and you're getting rid of a rookie. And yep. you're bringing on a, yeah, Simpkin, Petrarca, Smith, the guys we've, you know, we've sung their praises all episode. Yes. Talk, talk me oh, you into that. You so talk much. me into that. This is, why I'm the, this is why I host, so I don't have to answer stupid questions. Benny like and I this. haven't been on in a long time. We don't know you, the rules. You dirty dogs. How weird 2020 that this is a, a genuine question? Yeah. Or yep. the fact that Dan Butler's one of our best super coach forwards is... Yeah. Who would have thought? Um, is, so I'll answer it. Um, and then Ben can correct me because I stay as the host for a reason. <laughs> um, um, is there merit in it? Yes, there is merit in it on the premise that Pitonet can continue as a 120 Ruckman for the next three to four weeks. So is there merit in it? Yes, there's merit in it. Um, is there risk associated to this pick? Oh, hells yeah, there is risk associated with this pick. Yet you're improving your forward line. Um, but what you are doing is you are preparing for at some point in the year, you're forcing another trade to have to happen in your ruck line. As good as Pitonet has been for these past couple of weeks in terms of scoring, I think he's been fine on field. I don't think he's been amazing as a ruck, but certainly fine. You don't want Mark Pitonet in your completed side. When you say my side is done, you don't want Pitonet in it. Because I still think from a Carlton perspective, once Cruiser gets back fit, He's back in that team. You don't let a player with the cruiser talent not play. So I don't think, even if he stays in in a ruck sharing role, I don't think I want Pitonet in my completed side. So you just know you're also going to use a trade at the end. So is there merit in it? Yeah, there's merit in it. Is there risk associated to it? <laughs> Heck yes. Could it be a move that absolutely advances you through a little bit of cash generation? Sure. A little bit of point scoring? Sure. Do you have the kahunas to do it? Whew. Possibly. This is, this is why MD, I think people find it appealing at, at this point in time. And, it, and it, everything with trading is timing. Yeah. You look at the last two weeks for Grundy. By Grundy standards and by what, your, what his value is and what you're getting in return, yep. he's given you around 100. Yep. At 710K in Supercoach. And I do really think it's just a Supercoach oh, yeah. issue. You look at the rookies you had this week. A lot of people had... At best, Curtis Taylor with a 44. Yeah. At worst, a 28 from Cameron and 11 from Sturt. Yeah. On the flip side, people look at a Pitnet 130, a Jai Simpkin 140, you know, and a Bailey Smith ton. And they think, geez, there's 50 to 60 points to be made a week here. Yep. Plus, Mark Pitnet is appreciating at the same time. Yep. And in, you know, five, six weeks, maybe it's the time that Cruiser gets back healthy and you know, they have that discussion about a ruck share or whatnot. I can sideways him or spend, you know, little cash, yeah, 100K or so, and I get Grundy back and it takes a rookie off the field. Yep. I think the problem is as good as Jai Simpkins been and as a Petrarca and a Bailey Smith, yeah, like that will come down. And even if we got a 95 from here on in, we'd be ecstatic yep. with that for those guys at that price. Yeah. And Pitnet 
he is the total wild card. Yeah. Again, Ruck scoring is incredible. But there's no reason he can't come back to earth and just put up a great 75-80 score. No, that's absolutely. And like I mentioned, all of a sudden, Brody Grundy goes back to Brody Grundy where he averages 155-160. Again, Ruck scoring advantage is helping him too. I mentioned at the start of the podcast that yeah. he had a quiet first quarter when the game was on the line. He's going to have a quarter that he, he sets up the game for Collingwood. Yeah. And it could be a 70, 80 point first quarter. And the next thing you know, he's the guy putting out 160s, 170s. So if I'm hesitating about what the highest score could be, I'm not going to do it if it's going to cost me two trades. Like, no. That's the thing I think people need to remind you of. I know we have a lot of trades this year. You're still needing use a But I think, I think you can find something else. That suits you better. A you need to be in a luxury position to be able to get away I agree. with something like that. And just if you were going to do something crazy like that, and, and we're always up at the coaches panel for get absolutely adventurous, get crazy, get creative. And my only thing around that is in two weeks' time he plays St Kilda, and they've got a Ryder and Marshall combination. This week it's good. You know we talk about great matchups this week. You know Neil versus the Crows. This week he's up against Bell Chambers. Good matchup. Two weeks' time. Ooh. Don't know if I want any Ruckman at the moment having that dual battle to get over those two. Well, the other thing, MJ, is we know with how, you know, random injuries are. If I'm doing two trades to, you know, maybe make a few more points on field and maybe get a bit of cash, all of a sudden, unfortunately, you know, a pit neck goes down. Oh, no. And all of a sudden, now you're trying to, you've got a Ruck line with probably no cover. Yeah. And or you might have to swing a, a Segler in there and put that rookie back on field. Like anytime you're spending two trades and in the scheme of building your team, yeah, you're not really getting anywhere. Like I've heard people talking about, do I trade Dangerfield to a Neil? Like what? I would rather you be, I'd rather you be aggressive on a Noble and yeah. say, maybe Noble has 30 or 40 more K. Sure. But you know what I'll do? I'll pounce on a Hamill this week. Or yeah. maybe you even want to say, I'll just go to the bottom price player so I can loophole a Brander and a Rivers off each other. Yeah. Like, I'd rather you be aggressive in that sense. And the great thing about doing a noble down, if you don't got nothing else this week, is maybe next week, unfortunately, you do have an injury. Those poor people dealing with, you know, a Josh Dunkley this week and, an, and another player, they, can't, they might not be able to get the two rookies they want. They might yeah. have to do a, you know, an upgrade. So I'd rather you stay ahead of the pack with something, you know, taking a lead rather than, a restructure just for restructure's sake, you know, on a Ruckman that, you know, was traded for a reason for his club. I'd love to see someone do it. Like, I, I genuinely would love to see someone do it. I, I, I don't think... Let's keep track of it, MJ. Let's keep track of it All from right. now. All right. So let's, what are we saying? We're saying... Grundy and... Let's go Grundy and, let's go I'll, Grundy I'll, and Curtis Taylor. Go on, Benny. Throw in your two cents. Benny. Then we'll figure yeah. out what our pair is. I, I'm distinctly considering making this type of move. This yes. That I've and the, re- the reason behind it is because we need to take advantage of what is what I consider to be a broke, uh, a broken super coach scoring system. Yeah. Um, this I'm trying to think, uh, has there ever been a player that is averaged that has been basically a mid pricer average in excess of a hundred and over over his first two games, and the hordes haven't brought him in. Yeah, um, I I can't think of it. It, um, you know, it's it's vaguely reminiscent of you know a Michael Barlow type situation. He was a guy I kind mm. of thought about where I I thought would I rather have 
a guy who I'm paying top dollar for, I have a little bit more certainty around, or a guy who's a little bit more risky, but um, you know, is going to produce the numbers. I I don't think there's that much question that Mark Pidnett is going to average in excess of a hundred this year. Yeah. Like I, the way that they're scoring at the moment, he has not played two great games. Yeah. He has played two average games. Yeah. That game against Melbourne was ex- the first quarter was extraordinarily average, albeit he um you know he helped them uh, come back, but like they they've been average. I I, I did not I was not um, overly impressed with his performance against Geelong. Um, and yet the, the scoring system has worked out very, very favorably. Now, look, the, you know, you've got the, the other end of the sword where I think there, there's probably going to be a time where over three weeks, Brody Grundy averages 180 and so Yeah, there will be. That, yeah, that is not going to, to surprise me one bit. Um, but I think, you know, to, to rank extremely well to you know to get a top 100 type finish then sometimes you have to look at the risk um and sometimes you have to think okay look i think Brody grandy is going to have a period of time where he is incredible and he is the must-have captain but maybe i can take the risk for the next five weeks and if i can get away with it without getting burnt too badly yeah then it's okay this is all on the this is all on the um, proviso that that second trade is absolutely golden. You have to and be desperate to make that second. Yeah, and I think you have to you... be desperate to make that second trade, and yeah. it probably needs to be for someone, in my opinion, who's more of a rolled gold premium than a uh, Jai Simkin or someone of that nature. Could it be a potentially we talked about at the start of the episode, someone like a Johnny Segler to kind of bridge the risk that's through there? Because if we look at what the, the Rucks are doing, you've talked about it through the episode, Grundy for the next three weeks in terms of opposition, it's coming up against Sam Jacobs. So his GWS history is largely irrelevant because Source is brand new. Then he comes up against Essendon and then he comes up against Brisbane. So it's a pretty decent fixture he's got over the next three weeks. But if, we, if you were to do that and you take a Kavara up to a Segley, you're at least opening up a DPP opportunity for you there through that ruck forward, um, you've got to make about 400k going from Grundy down to Segler. You could take Kavara up very comfortably if you've got that injury through there up to a Segler and away you go. That's, that's the pair I want to put it on, Kane, if we're doing this. It's Grundy and King versus Segler. Yep. That's the two I want to keep a track on. I think as well, in terms of what you'd have to spend, if we just assume the person has absolutely no bank, I think the player that a lot of people would be looking at because he is missing some time is maybe they're looking at a Grundy and Sturt. Oh, yeah. You know, so that would give you 864,000 roughly. Pitnet's costing you 317 the other way. You got 547 to play with. Mm. Potentially, if you had, let's just say you've got. 16,000 in the bank. I hate you. could cra- so grab a danger field. You could grab a danger field. Oh, I hate you for doing this. I, was, I hated the if idea. You a, I love the if idea. you got 13, you can get Bont. Oh, screw you both. So now all of a sudden we're talking Pitt and Bont versus Grundy and that rookie. Damn you, Kane. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Right. But, but hey, this is the conversation right. that coaches uh, need have to be to have. Yeah, yeah, you have to have this it. Is what makes the game exciting as well is innovation in the trading. Absolutely, space. 
we need we need to be looking at all the different um, aspects of what's what's happened with a shortened match. Yeah. One of the aspects clearly in the Supercoach scoring system is that Rucks are scoring phenomenally well across the board. How do we take advantage of that? I think it would be um, remiss of uh, remiss of us to actually not be trying to load as many Ruckman, getting as many cheap Ruckman, mm. and yeah, this is this is one avenue to do it. Um, look, could it burn you? One hundred percent, it could end. But it's the year to try it, isn't it? Like it's the year. Even if you go for rankings, you go stuff it, have a go. Like everyone's it's great coaches great. are having terrible years for a variety of different yeah, reasons. Yeah. You know what? Stuff it. I'm going to do it because I don't have that Muppet dunk to do it. <laughs> I'll do the trade. All right. So Segler is already in my team, so I don't have to do that. I'm yep. going to go and move Dan Houston on. Um, so barring anything else going and crapping itself, I'm happy to make my super coach team the experiment, friends. Grundy to Pitonet. I will do it. Grundy to Pitonet. And then I will turn Dan Houston. You could get Neil. <laughs> oh, shut up. Now I hate you even more. <laughs> All right, that's it. I'm doing it. Houston's out. I'm not actually. It'll be John Noble. John Noble will probably go up to danger field and I'll throw Houston back. That's a better move for me. There we go. We don't like talking about our own teams, but stuff it. I will do that trade, and I will put my super coach side up on still up on bricks. And if it fails horrifically, I will own that decision. I will not blame somebody else. That's that's the mature coach response. Don't blame someone on Twitter just because a trade they thought about you did and it's their fault. You make the trade, Muppet. Um, own the decision. That's fine. Um, all right, I'm doing it. Stuff is I, all. Mate, but it, I can't so, wait for the first person to tweet you with that Brody Grundy double hundred oh, supercoach. I, I know, but who cares? Who but cares? That is, is the type is, of mate. risk reward. If you if you had a lot of Essendon and Melbourne premiums last week and you just wanted, hey, I don't care if I go way further back in the rankings. Like in terms of risk reward, you, you do know one thing is that Pitnet will appreciate in value. Yes. You do have that guarantee. My worry is just that you're spending you. two trades to do it. I hate you so. You do have 30 in Supercoach though. So it, it does yeah, MJ. a little bit more. I'm, yeah. I'm doing it. I've already said I'm doing it. I don't need any more. Another thing pressure. is, MJ, too, is that it's not just like Pitnet's the one Ruckman that's scoring well. Like Benny said, we have a sample size now where you look at last week, two Ruckman over 150, one more over 145, three more over 130, two more over 120. Like we're nearly talking half the Ruckman in the league that played went over 120. Oh, dear. All right. Half of you playing at home. Um, Noble. Is out. McAvoy. No, no, I'm just not kidding. McAvoy. Um, Grundy is out. And if you want to be a fool, we know we talked about not trading up to the most expensive, but if you want to get uh, Pitonet and Lockie Neal, you can. So there you go. If you want to do something crazy. Hey. Um, so there's other midfielders to go and get. We've talked about Bont and Danger and all that sort of stuff, but you can do that anyway. I reckon that's just us about done uh, through there. Uh, we'll get that. Thank you so much for the questions that have come in. We've tried to answer them as best we can throughout the episode. Uh, we'll make sure we go back though and direct message you on Facebook and Twitter though to answer some of those questions. I am putting my super coach side up on stilts for 2020 and turning it into uh, the coaches panel experiment. 
So let's see how that all plays out for us so far this year. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in. We hope uh, the, you're keeping well and you're keeping safe. Massive shout out to every single uh, member on our Patreon army. We appreciate your support so far in 2020 and good luck as you enter into this round. Ultimately, have fun. That's the whole premise of fantasy football, isn't it? While we play it for a little bit of bragging rights, we play it hopefully to win some prize money uh, or a car or whatever it is your format is offering. We play it because we just love doing it. And uh, that should be the core part of what you're doing is playing it for fun or to win a bet against Kane. One of the two. They're the two reasons you should be doing it. Good luck to you this week. MJ, you could win a car with this, with this Intel. Get you stuff. could win a car. <laughs> No, I won't be with it again. Give it up. Now keep it true. Give it up.